the three laws of trust would be communicate, communicate, communicate. And that doesn't mean acid communication, but following up, listening carefully to what the person said, letting them unpack situations, asking gentle but probing questions about how they're doing, where they're doing, why they're doing, what they're doing, and allowing for disagreement. Disagreement is just fine. That's really not the problem. There's a high probability your church has an executive pastor. There is a high probability your church did not have one 30 years ago. This pastoral position is a direct reflection of changes in the American church landscape. From managing staff to operations to interacting with the lead pastor and the board, this position has an awesome opportunity to be a champion of integrity. David Fletcher, a pastor of 35 years and founder of Ex-Pastor, speaks with Michael Martin about practical insights to strengthen integrity in your church from the lens of an executive pastor. Well, today on the ECFA podcast, we have the privilege of having a good friend of this ministry, Dr. David Fletcher, uh, who's the founder of expastor.org. I'm going to let David share a little bit of the story about expastor with you, but we're so excited, uh, David, to have you on and to have this conversation around healthy leadership. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you as always, Michael. And thank you for not calling me an old friend, even though I am old at age 63. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave you uh, just friend, right? Just friend. Um, you know, hey, you and I were getting some good laugh uh, even here before the podcast about I wanted to make sure I could articulate well um, how you state the mission even of, of ex-pastor, which, and I think you gave me a passing grade, but let me try again. It's it's uh, the business brain plus pastoral heart. Is that right? Is that the equation? That's it. And you know, it took us about 10 years to come up with something that's sim that simple that really got at what we were about, the two sides of decision-making. That's exactly right. No, that's great. And I think it's such a tie-in, David. Appreciate so much of your work uh, with, especially this na this niche area uh, with executive pastors, church leaders. Um, I know I don't want to take, you know, any of the story from you, just even from your own personal experience and kind of what led you to start the ministry, but I think it is a perfect segue and a tie-in to really what I want to uh, have our podcast community get the opportunity to hear from you on today, which is that importance of integrity and in leadership, healthy leadership, um, really so much this heartbeat that is here at ECFA, uh, it's present within Ex-Pastor. So David, yeah, without further ado, why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, Ex-Pastor and uh, how this ministry got started? Pretty simple story. I'm doing a dissertation for my doctor of ministry degree at Dallas Seminary. I go into the library in 2003, and I think I've lost my golden touch of researching. I was a pretty good researcher in the day. I found no extant literature on executive pastors in the whole huge library. I go up to the head research librarian, which is code for nerd of nerds, wonderful guy. And he looks at me, he says, hey, David, I said, hi, Marvin. Didn't even know he knew my name. And he said, are you, are you the executive pastor at Northwest Bible Church? Yes, I am. And he said, what is that role? That told me everything I needed to know. There was no literature on it. So that's why I started the website that now has 1,400 free articles on it, because we need a lot of help in this area, and not much is written for that focus group. 
I mean, yeah, I don't even know if this is possible, but could you even define like the role of executive pastor? Is that possible? Well, there's three kinds of executive pastor. One is he, the overseer of ministry. Another oversees operations. And the third is what I call kind of a second in command. So there's three different flavors to the role and all sorts of titles. It doesn't matter what title you have. Head janitor might even work. Um, but what, what it is, is what function are you doing at the church? Are you overseeing a very significant amount of operations or ministry or the entire church? That's right. Well, here at ECFA, we love executive pastors. Uh, we know that there's many, many churches, uh, you know, here in the United States, around the world that quite honestly would not function without that important role, even though it's not always out front, it's not always seen just such a critical, uh, you know, part of ministry. We're big, big cheerleaders for uh, XPs here at ECFA. And yeah, again, I just maybe make the point even a little bit more in a focused way. But again, so much of, I think, what you do to, to help support uh, XPs through both the business side as well as the pastoral heart, I mean, that really gets to... Um, you know, this issue of integrity, uh, in, integrity in ministry. And uh, it, it is, it's a shared passion with us here at ECFA. And uh, I know today's conversation, we'll, we'll get to unpack just a little bit, but then also um, I think there will be some more opportunities, right? For us to be able to share together. We've got some of these live workshops coming up uh, here in just a few, few weeks. So why don't you tell folks a little bit about that opportunity between ex-pastor and ECFA? Yes, together we get on May 3rd and 4th, the opportunity to spend two days. The first day will be on the business brain side of strengthening integrity. So what does that mean for boards and business operations? And then the second day will be on the pastoral heart of strengthening integrity. So how do we help our pastors stay on the straight and narrow? Do we pay them enough so that you know the financial temptation isn't there? Do we, as boards, care for our pastors? Are we asking, well, let's just call it challenging questions, not hard ones, but just how are you really doing? That doesn't mean in the whole board meeting. You know, that's probably a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so those are the two days that we'll be spending together with just some great leaders from around the nation joining us. Well, we're really looking forward to it. And I guess today's a little bit of a sneak peek into some of what that conversation will be. Uh, but David, so this is again, the ECFA behind the seal podcast. So we're going behind the scenes in many ways. And I think maybe a good behind the scenes question that I might ask you uh, would be what sort of the burden that was, you know, on your heart and even putting together uh, this event and inviting ECFA into it. And um, maybe even just this overall topic, uh, because yeah, again, before before founding ex-pastor, you served in the trenches, you were in a, an executive pastor role, you probably saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. So is there something in particular that you can share with us, just kind of a burden on your heart that leads to uh, this topic? Well, Church Law and Tax, a division of Christianity Today, did it their survey a while back, and they found that two-thirds of churches that had 500 or more people, about 500 in worship, and a million-dollar budget, two-thirds of those churches had people who were functionally in the executive pastor role. So we're talking about a lot of, a lot of churches now in the U.S. But I find there are three pressures on all church leaders. One is pressure, especially COVID and post-COVID, due to yeah. conflicting points of view. And we've taken the view that I believe the Bible is true, which then we kind of 
come down to, I believe my views about the Bible are true, which then my views are true, which means that you should do what I want. And then that puts pressure on the pastor because you have two competing views, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, just to cite recent issues. Then there are time pressures because pastoral roles can be 24-7. It will eat you alive, and then the church will be the ones who cry the most at your funeral. So um, there's time pressures, and then there's the scope of the role. It can cover senior pastor, lead pastor, executive pastor, uh, can cover everything in the church from preventing slips and falls to preventing child abuse to budgets, to staff races, the leadership with the staff and board, just to measure a few. So those are some pressures of time, of points of view and scope of the role that just makes it really hard for people to stay focused on the task. And at times their integrity can get compromised when they cut corners. Uh, Yeah, no, I hear you. I think those are some tremendous pressures, you know, that we see church leaders facing. And I think, yeah, like you, uh, you know, definitely share that burden as well. And yeah, I think that gets into even a, a good question too, David, just around maybe maybe it's those pressures, maybe there's some other elements to the mix as well, but are there any particular patterns, you know, that you might see, especially, yes, we live in a day and age where it seems like we're seeing, hearing about, you know, all too many of these uh, leadership integrity failures, um, you know, can you speak to maybe even some potential patterns uh, or warning signs that you might see? Well, let me give you the three biggest ones. First would be burnout due to stress. And where we see stress is often in vocal snaps and fits, where the person pretty quickly says, oh, Michael, I'm so sorry I said that. Ah. But it happens more often than the person cares to admit in a variety of situations. It's showing that on the inside, things aren't well. The rubber band, you know, you can stretch a rubber band so far before it snaps. And that person is snapping more and more often. And kind of the solution there is you've just got to guard one day and seven rests. It's biblical from the principle of creation. Don't want to call it law, but it's the principle. If it was good enough for God to rest, it's good enough for us to rest. Another aspect of that is many folks are not taking what I call think time. This is a time, hopefully every day, a half an hour to an hour, to think about the next day and the next month and the next six months and really get ahead of issues so that you're not stressed out when these things come up. So that would be the first one, Michael, would be burnout due to stress. A second one would be burnout due to money. Uh, Perhaps the church isn't paying enough. And I'm talking about fair local wages. Look and find what your school teachers are making. Most pastors make what a high school teacher makes. Most church leaders make what a vice principal or principal makes, sometimes district officials for large churches. So pay reasonably. But you also want to, this leads into the next one, we always need to be on the alert for fraud. It's fairly easy to disguise. You can hide it from the auditor. You can hide it from ECFA because you do some bookkeeping irregularities. I like to have the discussion regularly because it it raises up with everyone in the organization Fraud is, is something we're always looking at and looking out for. Fraudsters hate the discussion, and it's the best prevention of against fraud. And then you look for irregularities. So, Michael, 
how'd you buy that Lamborghini? That's pretty great on the salary of the ECFA president. Well, I got an inheritance. Okay. Um, you know, that's what Aldrich Haynes said, that his wife, he's the CIA mole in the 90s. Wow. And he said it was family money. But people close to him knew that his wife didn't have any family money. So you just ask questions, you raise the issues. What we, what we want to do is just normalize discussions. Michael, you're kind of tense today. I've seen that a couple of times this week. Am I willing to put my relationship with you at risk, even as an, if I was an employee, because I care more about you than I do about my job? And those kind of employees are next to never fired because they ask it nicely. The person understands they care more about them. And if we can catch something small, it won't become something big. Wow. We could end right there. I think that gives us all enough homework. But man, there's so much to actually unpack there too. David, what is your, to follow up on this point you made, I think it was it was so good, uh, about just the importance of normalizing normalizing discussions like this. What is your, what's your best advice, uh, you know, to an executive pastor or, you know, another leader who's maybe surrounding uh, a senior leader? Practically, you know, how, how do we normalize conversations like this? Well, for a board, you shouldn't necessarily have them as the entire board. So let's say the XP and the SP are both in the board meeting and you have six, eight or 10 board members. Well, that's a, a ratio of one to four, or one to five, one to six. No, what you want to do is, is have it one-on-one -on -one or maybe two-on-one where we're just going to breakfast and we're talking about how is Michael doing? We're not going to talk about the church stuff per se, but we're going to talk about how is Michael doing post-COVID now? You ask questions. And if something comes up, then you just do an immediate gentle follow-up question and maybe even an investigation as needed. You want to get to causes, not just the effects. So, Michael, you have three kids at home, right? We're up so to four that, now. Yeah. Up to four. Yeah, I forgot about number four. But you see, that's where it starts. So I'd, I'd go like, well, what's it like with a new baby? Oh, that's why you're a little tired in the morning. Gotcha. Well, we're going to give you a double shot of coffee, you know, so we can extend grace. But if you're grumpy in the middle of the afternoon, well, now we need to have a follow-up conversation. But you see, we're just looking at these causes, but we don't want to talk just about the effects. So what are these things that begin to get us off the rails? Because if you allow me to become snippy and just say, well, that's just the way Fletch is, then that's a little divide that can become a great divide. Fair. And I would say churches should not be slow in getting outside help. If you think something is funny with the books, get a CPA to help. Do an internal audit, just not an external audit. So that's where, and volunteers in the church can do this, is you look at every single receipt, let's say in the high school ministry. Are we satisfied with those? Next quarter, every single receipt in the missions or outreach bucket. And you do this on a rolling basis, so sooner or later you've covered all the departments. And you know that you've looked at every single receipt for a given period of time. Um, also, you know, if you need an independent investigator, get one early. So if you think that something's irregular, don't wait. Child Protective Services, that's a 12 to 24 hour phone call, sometimes 48 hours. 
There's a church I just learned about in Texas that, or an organization that didn't make the phone call. And it started with a misdemeanor for the officials. And then it grew to a felony because they were concealing the issue. Churches are slow to get others involved. We have this parochial mentality of I can do it all myself for it might cost me two or four thousand dollars forgetting that the loss of reputation due to one of these small incidents or a major incident that gets even bigger it grows and social media will expand it and our reputation will go down and the bottom line is our donations will go down too wow. and the thing i'd say on that if you have someone who has a problem put them on leave not on a sabbatical a yeah, leave explain is that. Yeah. explain well, that a leave, a leave is time for reflection and improvement a sabbatical is a time for rest and growth. So often a church will say, well, we'll just put the pastor on a sabbatical for three months and we're going to sort out all this mess. And like five times to one, the person is terminated. So everyone gets nervous. Oh, this person is on sabbatical. Does that mean they did something wrong? No, a sabbatical should be like an academic sabbatical where we're, we're going away to grow. A leave is for cause. Hey, your financial records weren't very good, and we're going to do a thorough investigation. Or there was an issue with a minor, or inappropriate something with someone of the opposite sex. That is why we put people on leave. Good. Well, so uh, great tips there. I think, so you mentioned kind of nervousness, that emotion that can come uh, in oh, yeah. some, of these, <laughs> some of these scenarios. I want to go back to... Uh, Hopefully I'm not prying here too much, but I'm going to ask you some of the hard questions today. Um, just even the the nervousness that could come. Let's talk about maybe the the power differentials or authority differences or um, legitimate, you know, fear that people might have in terms of, okay, well, this would be, especially um, if we're talking about, say, um, you know, like an executive pastor is reporting up to a senior pastor or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, how do you encourage uh, folks where there is that even authority difference or structure? Um, how do they move forward, you know, knowing that some of those feelings are also natural? Well, I was coaching with a church, consulting with them, and they wanted a whistleblower policy. On their own, they found an organization that would be able to give them an 800 number for a pretty low cost. And then we worked on their whistleblower policy. So that's a really good first step because that should include that you will not retaliate or fire an employee based on them reporting an issue. Listen. But below that needs to be a sense of trust that it actually it's a trust in God that my job is less important than the integrity of the organization. And if I do get fired for this, what better reason to ever lose a job than because I pointed out something that turned out to be a major event for this church, but I have my personal integrity in the mix, midst of that. For sure. Yeah, you're right. There's courage, uh, but also care, you know, care for the organization. I think you made this comment earlier, David, that it would also even be out of care for that other person. Absolutely. You know, you'd be raising some of these questions as well. Yeah, that's where we start first, is, is the organization, I don't want to say is second, because they're, they're both equal, but we really care for that pastor who's under stress, beginning to act out inappropriately, and maybe with a little correction early on, because they're in the Word regularly, 
God will then speak to them and say, people are noticing my actions and my words, and I'm not the best person I could be, and I want to change. Right. And I think it comes back to also another C word, which is culture, you know, the culture of the organization. And, you know, while yes, by human nature, it'd be very natural to kind of feel that way sometimes if you were in a, say, an XP role and to raise some of those questions. But wouldn't you say too, though, that in some of the healthiest cultures um, that those kinds of conversations, those kinds of discussions, I mean, they would even be encouraged. Uh, And maybe like you said, that a policy is kind of the the starting point, but there's also just this overall culture where those types of conversations are encouraged and they're welcome. Well, it, it begins in that culture with the, with the definition of I'm not perfect. And I need Michael, if you and I were on our team and Josh was on our team working in the background there, <laughs> that we actually acknowledge our need for one another and that I'm going to say things from time to time or do things that aren't the best. And then I apologize and I make amends. But a pedestal culture is I'm on top or you're on top. I'm the king or you're the king. And there's only one way to go off a pedestal right. and that's down. And so we, we want to, and the church is always putting their pastors up on pedestal. Very human nature, but it's not a good one. And so we need to keep reinforcing I'm a human I'm flawed. I'm on this path. You know, it's pilgrim's progress. I don't want to go off into the slough of despond, but this is a rocky path sometimes. It's a hard path. Let's all be on it together and improve together. Absolutely. No, that's right. So then, yeah, let's shift a little bit. We've been camped here, I think, in a lot of our conversation, even talking about an executive pastor, one who kind of surrounds and uh, supports a lead pastor, but maybe shifting now into even just for lead pastors themselves and some of the, I know you, you work with many of them and, you know, have probably great admiration and respect for those that are, you know, put certain things in place to, to walk in integrity and to, to be humble and to invite healthy accountability. As you think about some of those sort of standout, you know, people that, you know, and again, we're all human, imperfect, all of those, all those disclaimers. But, you know, as you think about in particular, uh, lead pastors, like what are some of the, the best practices or the things that they invite or different things that you've seen that you would encourage others to consider? Let me begin to answer that with just a moment of history. So in the fifties, being a pastor had low stress. It was a desired role. It was relatively easy and it was, had high esteem in the community. In the 1990s, churches got bigger and the headaches got bigger. And then in 2010-ish or so, all church had the same challenges, regardless of size, of HR laws, tax issues for musicians, active shooters, and child abuse. And now, even today, smaller churches have five to ten full and part-time employees. So things got dicey all around for churches of all sizes, for senior pastors helping lead those organizations. Then to answer your question, You know, I would start with safeguards about with proactive thinking and planning. And and that's a daunting task. So I encourage people I work with, start with a few simple bullet points and slowly use uh, the free material that's on ex-pastors predators course or the upcoming workshop 
May 3 and 4, that ECFA is co-hosting with ex-pastor on strengthening integrity. Start simple and begin to see what's going to fit for your culture. Don't, don't come up with 10 pages of policy because no one will read it, but start with those things that will make a difference and then slowly improve upon them. That's right. Yeah, I think you make such a great point of let's not overcomplicate it. Um, you know, it begins with the heart, a heart posture, and then simple steps and um, also things that can be sustained, right? Um, well, that's good, David. I also want to shift now here to an, another really important, I think, component to this conversation and ingredient to uh, just all those pieces that kind of need to be in the mix here is is really the critical role of a board, you know, a board of in a church context, the board of elders or directors. I know this podcast isn't all about church governance structures. <laughs> there could be, there are millions of those that are out there, but just the key role of within your context, you know, whatever that group is, um, speak to what do you see the role, David, of uh, a board who, you know, provides that level of uh, accountability, but also support. What are some of the key things that they can do in order to help support healthy leadership? I would put equally trust and good communication. Now, Michael, you know, there's three laws of real estate, right? Location, location, location. And the three laws of trust would be communicate, communicate, communicate. And that doesn't mean passive communication, but following up, listening carefully to what the person said, letting them unpack situations, asking gentle but probing questions about how they're doing, where they're doing, why they're doing, what they're doing, and, um, and allowing for disagreement. Disagreement is just fine. That's really not the problem. We want to give avenues for input before decisions are made. So in talking with the senior pastor, so he or she wants to do things a little differently, that's fine. But the board has the final say on, on a major issue, and so that person needs to submit. They gave their input, and we don't win every war, fortunately. True. <laughs> no, you just accept, hey, I'm not going to win on this one. And okay, you know what? Maybe God's in it in a new and different way. Okay, I'm cool with that. I don't need to move. I don't need to relocate. I don't need to find a greener pasture because I'm communicating. I've been heard. I said my piece. And then we made a decision. So when it comes to strengthening integrity, it's the same principles of honest discussion gentle discussion, but not gentle the point of being weak, gentle the point of being direct. Wow. No, that's good. Help us with, uh, there was something you said that just stood out to me there, which is you said um, this area of, uh, we need to be comfortable even with disagreement. <laughs> How do we get to that place? Because I'll tell you, yeah, I, observed a lot of boards. I know what a lot of, what a lot of church boards are like and things. And it's like, I think a lot of times people would rather keep a peace, you know, or what they would, you know, on the surface level be peace without being willing to go into some of those areas of disagreement. How do we get, how do we get comfortable, um, in a board setting with a little healthy disagreement? Well, isn't it New Hampshire that has a, a motto of good fences make for good neighbors? 
Okay. Sure. If not, I've now assigned it to them and I'll get letters <laughs> from people in New Hampshire. Well, let's decide what is a personal issue and what's a public issue. And let's just hash it out. But we do that in a safe environment, meaning it's a four-wall discussion. What's said in this room doesn't go any further. I would encourage the staff, uh, I can think of one in particular, I told them many times, disagree with me, say anything you want, vent even in this room. You may have to apologize afterward if you go too far, but you apologize to this group and it all stays here. Then when we make a decision, that's the decision that we're all agreed upon. There's no going around later and say, well, I didn't vote for that. I'm not really for it. No, this was our position that we took. Um, because the four-wall di discussion is a place for safe discussion. So I can say things to you in that four-wall discussion. I'm not doing it at Denny's. I'm not doing it in your home. We're doing it in the confines of this board meeting. And I'd say, I'm really concerned about. Or I got really mad on the inside because of something we did as a church. Great. We can work on that because it's a safe environment to work on that. And then if the decision doesn't go my way, if all the other board members say, we heard you, Fletch, but we just, we don't see it that way. Well, hit 10 to 1, probably even 101, I just, okay, you know, at least I said my deal. I'm cool. Ugh. And if it turns out later that I'm right and there was impro uh, something improper going on, I can't hold up my flag and say, ha, I told you so. No, it's just like, well, you know, we talked about it as a board and it wasn't the right time to look into it and shame on us all. Sure. But to have that process, boy, that'd be, that'd be so healthy, you know, for many boards. Uh, yeah, hold on, Mike, I'll say yeah, one more. Well, what happens so many times at the board level is we're focused on the wrong discussion. Mm -hmm. We're focused on nickels and noses and programmatic things instead of church-wide issues, instead of the health of our senior staff. So we'll do some little perfunctory prayers. You know, God bless this, God bless that. that those are great, but it's far better to have a limited agenda, but a deeper agenda on the things that really matter for the six, 12, and three-year items for your church. And this would be one of them. Hey, how do we have good communication? How do we strengthen integrity? Huge issues. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so limited, a more limited agenda, deeper agenda, focusing on the things that matter. Wow, that's good. One of the things I'm so glad I'm not on a church board right now are the incessant and long board meetings that would go on. For, I, you know, I've only been in, I clocked at one time like 750 church board meetings in my ministry career. And so many of them were three and four hours and really could have been two hours of important discussion, but we saved all the big stuff for the very end when we're all tired. 750, I guess that's when you stop counting. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my. There was something else too uh, that I'd like to unpack you shared earlier. I think this is a wise point too is, yeah, there's certain things that are appropriate in the context of a full board meeting, but I think I heard you say earlier that even some of these loving conversations, you know, that would need to be had uh, around sensitive, more sensitive things, perhaps personal issues. Uh, wasn't it your advice, David, that 
there be some smaller group, you know, type discussion. It's not one on eight or one on 12 or tell, tell us more what you're thinking there. Well, let me start it with a story. It's a true story. Church board had concerns with their senior pastor, preaching, attendance, some of the common issues that happen. And uh, the church board was split 50-50 on those that liked him and those that didn't like him. So the chairman said, I'll go and visit with the pastor tomorrow. But the other side said, well, let me send someone too. So now you had two people going to talk to the pastor. And before long, you had six people who were going to come and talk to the senior pastor, plus a trusted friend of the pastor. So it was one on seven. He got wind of it, obviously, before the meeting. And what do you think he thought was going to happen? They were going to fire him. So he quit. No discussion, just quit. Well, the, the issues might have been resolved if one person went, maybe two, and had a heart-to-heart -heart discussion. At least the issues could have been ameliorated to the place that they could have had a positive separation. Like, you know, this is a hard place for me. It's probably not the best place for me. Why don't I take six months to find a new place while I continue to serve here, and then there'll be an easy exit while I take a new church, and then the church can find a new pastor. Instead, the church was divided in two or three. It was a great church planting move, by the way. Humor, Trace. <laughs> For the people paying attention. Yep. <laughs> That's right. And um, it was a mess for years to come. So one or two, it doesn't mean you need to have a weak conversation. It can be gentle. It can be firm. You talk about the real issues, but you do it in a forum that is acceptable and palatable, digestible, that I'm not feeling attacked. I mean, I've been in meetings, board meetings, where I've been asked a question, and suddenly I have 24 eyes looking at me for the answer, and it's all I can do to not respond inappropriately because I felt attacked by the question. It wasn't a bad question, but it was the wrong setting for the question. That's right, yeah, critical thoughts there. So, yeah, forum... I think the posture uh, in which those conversations, you know, had hugely important. And yeah, just as I as I hear you share, David, it's yeah, my encouragement, even anyone just serving on a local church board, that I think having the courage to have those kinds of conversation, you nailed it. That ultimately, that is going to be, you know, it's that communication factor. It's going to build trust um, and really letting the leader know that they are cared for. Um, you know, that's something that we've seen in so much of our survey work, even internally here at ECFA on this issue that Warren Bird has, you know, helped spearhead for us is, uh, David, I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised, but you'd be just as heartbroken as, as we were in reading some of these comments from senior leaders of ministry who just talk about how isolating and, you know, how challenging their role is, how they feel alone, maybe even like no one really cares I think having the courage to have these conversations goes a long way in making sure that a leader feels cared for. Someone once compared leading the church to riding a wild tiger. You're too scared to let go and you're too scared to hold on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wow. So those are some uh those are some trust building practices, I think, between the, the that we were talking about there, between the senior leader and the board. Uh, what's the flip side of that coin, David? What are some things that you've seen that would really, maybe it's just completely the inverse, but what are those things that 
would erode trust or take us backwards? What should we be avoiding? Well, another story, a senior pastor had been having an ongoing affair for about 28 years. There had been signs along the way, but no one had talked to the board or brought it up at a board meeting about some irregularities in this pastor's schedule. It actually came out on Facebook where a neighbor reported it. Like, hey, aren't you the senior pastor of that church and you're going into... You know, Mrs. Smith's house over there a lot and staying like an hour and 15 minutes. And that's how it broke. And the media is full of unfortunate stories. And social media will exacerbate the PR of that, of leaders who've had integrity problems, sometimes major integrity problems. And churches are nervous. I recently consulted with a firm, with a church that was very concerned about this. And we spent a lot of time and a fair amount of money on how to help them get stronger with their internal controls, financial as well as ethical, so that they could continue to stay on a good and healthy path. All you have to do is read the newspaper to, to see how common these problems are for churches. But yeah, no, I totally hear you on that. And, you know, David, I think something else I, I just personally love in a lot of conversations with you is just the way you think about things, the way um, you see the world, lots of, uh, I just appreciate your insight. You're a very forward thinker. So um, just as you assess like where the church is at today and this particular issue, I think one of the things I'm encouraged by is just seems like we're having more honest conversations these days about this issue. And, and I think in a healthy way, not in a, you know, we're here to, you know, kind of rip into leaders, uh, you know, or, you know, focus on just all the negative, but we want to have a conversation away. I mean, just like you and I have been talking over these last few minutes is um, let's be real about the issues, but let's have the right posture, the right level of care. Um, I guess just as you kind of assess where the church is at today, um, do you see this as uh, as a conversation that um, more and more people are having? Like what excites you about, you know, as we continue to move forward? And you used a word earlier about like normalizing conversations. How about even normalizing the conversation around this topic? Is this something that you see some hope in as we move forward? There is hope if we do not see it as a one and done issue. Like, well, we talked about integrity in 2023. We haven't had that conversation for five years. It needs to be a regular part of the board meeting agenda, which means you've got a three-year agenda. That's not very hard to do in Excel or Apple numbers. You just do all the months and say, what are the major issues that we need to regularly talk about? This is one that should be there at least once a year hey, we had the private meeting with the pastor, and now the board's going to talk about that private meeting. The, the best examples of churches are ones, to use a military term, always have their heads on swivel. Kind of what you want on an aircraft carrier, right? Is you don't want that uh, any moving part to hit you because you weren't looking around. And that's where we need to be. And we need to normalize that, that people are just talking about what they're seeing, about hey, did you realize that so-and-so's office doesn't have a window in it? No window in the door. Well, we ran out of money that year. 
we're going to get the money to do that. Little things like that. Um, and, you know, look for the small issues. You take the pebble out of your shoe before it becomes a, a major hole in your foot, really. <laughs> I mean, who wants to do a 30-mile walk, hike, trek with a pebble in their shoe? You always take it out. But we don't do that often enough in our church situations. I am hopeful because you and I are having the conversation. Others are having the conversation. If there's any benefit to social media coverage, it's that churches realize that people all over the country and the globe have similar issues, and we need to work on this area continuously. That's right. No, very good. Well, David, thanks for having the conversation here with us today. We'll be back at it, uh, like you said, right in May um, with these workshops that are coming up. Uh, yeah, just maybe go another little layer deeper. We talked about that a little bit as we were opening the conversation today. But those who are interested uh, in that event, what is it that they can expect? You know, how will they be different? How will their their churches be different as a result of participating in those two days? Well, we have a great panel of speakers who are going to address integrity and strengthening integrity because none of us are perfect. We all have room to improve. I'm 63 and I'm learning every day and understanding how I haven't been the best that I could have been in the past and wanting to be the best that I can be today. So we're going to have a variety of speakers talk about the business brain side. So what are we doing in the church office setting? the board setting, and another set of speakers on the pastoral heart to encourage and strengthen us on how are we doing what we're doing, like this area of communication. How are we treating our staff? In the area of finances, do we really have the best practices and procedures in place? How do we strengthen that so that both as an individual and as a church organism, we're learning and growing together? So that's the two sides of the conversation on May 3rd is the business brain and May 4th is the pastoral heart. Great. And I understand the price is right. It's free online. Our sponsors are making that available to us is what I love about the sponsors so that uh, we're able to make cost not an issue. And they will, the recordings afterward will be on ex-pastor for anyone who enrolls in the free course. They will be there for the foreseeable future. And I had no idea how long the foreseeable future is, but it's probably five to 10 years. <laughs> That's where I talked about you being such a forward thinker, right? Yeah, <laughs> the foreseeable it. future. Okay, well, we'll include some information about that in our show notes as well. But again, you're, the website, one more time, where folks can go and register. xpastor.org. That's x, letter x, pastor.org. Very good. Well, David, look forward to being with you then. And again, just thanks so much for today's conversation and who you are and all that you do to support uh, executive pastors, senior pastors, churches. We appreciate it so much here at ECFA. Thank you, Michael. It's always great to be with you and to partner with you. Uh, I hold you and everyone at EFCA in high esteem, and so it's a joy. May we continue to help the church. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Behind the Seal podcast from ECFA. Hey, as Michael and David mentioned, the Strengthening Integrity free workshop from Ex Pastor, co-hosted by ECFA, 
is May 3rd and 4th. Go over to expastor.org and register today. When considering the business side of a church, you may think about procedures and policies and written documents, of course. But David concentrated so many times on conversation. And as David said, it takes a lot of courage to speak to someone that you're worried about, but it's worth it. Well, we've got so much more coming about leadership integrity from ECFA members and other thought leaders. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Hey, have a good week. We'll see you next time.